Oral questions by members? Member for Vancouver Langara. Mr. Speaker, last week we were shocked to hear the Attorney General deny the problem of escalating random assaults and prolific offenders. But in community after community across BC, we are hearing the opposite. Earlier this month in Victoria, John Dickinson was fatally stabbed outside of a bar by a man already facing charges of attempted murder, assault with a weapon, uttering death threats, and assault. But he was out on bail because BC Crown Council agreed to release him on conditions that weren't followed. As John's sister says, quote, it brings into question the justice system because if they hadn't released him on bail, my brother would still be alive, end quote. Why are an increasing number of prolific offenders being put back on the street where they continue to commit assault, vandalism, and even murder? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Honourable Chair. Uh, you know, I think that any time uh, there's a horrific, violent incident in our communities, our hearts go out to those who are affected, uh, whether the victim of crime or their family members and friends. And uh, I think it's important for us in this House at the provincial level to think about how we can work and prevent these kinds of things and respond to them. But it does do a disservice uh, to the public to fail to recognize some of the important policy changes around bail uh, that have been made by the federal government to blame Crown Council for implementing the federal law as they have to do, as is their mandate, as they swear their oath to do. And so when a Crown Council is faced with a difficult decision as Attorney General, I have a, an opportunity to direct Crown Council to overrule them. I do that very sparingly. I know that is the tradition in this place because I trust Crown Council to evaluate the facts on a case-by-case -case basis and implement the federal law. Now, the member will know as a lawyer there have been two big changes at the federal level. One was Bill C-75, which talked about using a principle of restraint for police and courts to ensure that release at the earliest opportunity is favored over detention. That is direct from the legislation. There's a Supreme Court of Canada decision called RV Zora in 2020 that reinforced that, and the court was very clear that prosecutors may not use bail as a way to implement criminal punishment, but it must be clear and it must address the flight risk of the individual. And so I'm glad the member is raising this important issue, but I regret very much that he's blaming Crown Council for doing their job of implementing the federal law. Member for Vancouver Langara, supplemental. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, the Attorney General, as our Chief Legal Officer, knows that he needs to protect and maintain confidence in the administration of our justice system in this province. That is his primary duty. The bail conditional release indicators that the Attorney General has available to him through the Crown Prosecutor's Office, the factors need to ensure the safety and protection of the public and also maintaining the public confidence in the administration of justice. These are the tools that the, that the Attorney General has available to him. People need to have confidence in our justice system, and people need to feel safe in our communities. The bottom line is, our justice system is failing to protect the public 
from repeat offenders. Just this past Saturday in Victoria, a mother and father were attacked while they were walking their infant child in a stroller. The father was beaten on the head and the mother and child were pushed out into the street. Families are feeling helpless and they aren't getting answers from this government. How many more attacks will it take before the NDP take action to keep people safe on our streets? Attorney General. Well, I, uh, I heard about that horrific attack as well, uh, Honourable Speaker, and uh, certainly I know for all my colleagues on this side, I imagine all colleagues from all parties, uh, how, uh, how devastated we would be if that had been a member of our family. I think about my own family, if that had been my wife and child. Uh, fills a person with anger and rage, and understandably so. These incidents, these violent incidents in our community, uh, we need to respond to them as a government, and we will do so, but ultimately, the police will investigate, the Crown will review and apply the federal law, and an independent judge will make a decision. It's the way our system works, the way it should work. I have confidence in that system. It is not a perfect system, but it is the best system we have, and we will keep working to make it better, hopefully, together. Member for Skina. Terrorist remains in a crisis over the level of crime. But the Attorney General's response last, speak, last week was to pretend there wasn't a problem. And I quote, we're seeing progress, end quote. That answer is far from the reality that people are experiencing, not only in terrorists, but in all our communities all across BC. After watching a repeat offender walk right out of the store with an entire canoe Packing an entire canoe out of Canadian Tire. Canadian Tire wrote to me, and I quote, there is absolutely no reason not to steal, none, because there are no consequences when you do steal, end quote. This is what the people of terrorists are living with. This is what the businesses of terrorists are living with on a daily basis. Just last week, at our local legion, Branch 13, for the third time in two years, there was a fire set. Third time in two years, and nothing was done. My question is to, to the Attorney General, what will it take for the Attorney General to take public safety seriously and prosecute these repeat offenders? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Obviously, uh, the member quoted uh, five words from a lengthy answer that I gave him about Crown approval rates. I did not deny that there was an issue in terrorists. In fact, I said at the end of my answer, I look forward to working with the member and with the mayor and council to address the issues in terrorists. That's exactly what I said. The member can check answers. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. Met with the mayor and council from terrorists, met with the uh, Minister for Municipal Affairs, member uh, can read the summary of that meeting in the terrorist standard by the mayor. It was very constructive. She had a sense of hope that we'll be able to work together to address this issue. I invite the member to be a part of that solution. Member for Skina Supplemental. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And you know what? People in my community, in my riding, feel like even if these repeat offenders are arrested, they will be back on the streets to cause more damage, more fear. 
As Councillor Sambuita says, and I quote, we need to prosecute repeat offenders. We need to get these prolific offenders off the streets of terrorists and have them stop terrorizing our municipality. End quote. The meetings are great, the words are great, the data is great, but what we need is action. That is what the people of Terrace are looking for. That's what the people of Skeena are looking for. But the Attorney General is refusing to acknowledge the problem, much less deal with it. I have a letter from a store clerk who writes that there is a man in town who steals from local businesses every single day. And there are more offenders like this in Terrace. It's not just one single person. So my question to the Attorney General, what is it going to take for the NDP to take these random attacks and repeat offenders seriously? Attorney General. Uh, Honourable Speaker, I stand here. I recognize that there's an issue in Terrace. The member uh, certainly raised it in the House. I responded then that I look forward to working with him and the Mayor on the issue. The Minister for Public Safety is committed to do the same. Um, he insists uh, the opposite is true. I don't know why. Um, what I uh, can say is that there is an issue, even when someone is sentenced to jail for shoplifting, they will be released. And when they're released again, many in many cases, when they're uh, suffering from addiction, mental health issues, homeless, these issues will happen again. And in some cases, worse. Sometimes people go into prison, they come out worse than when they went in. And so for a lot of people to interrupt this cycle, uh, we do have the opportunity to work together on things like complex care, which is to address the health issue of the person, the addiction issue, the mental health issue, the homelessness issue, that is closely connected with their offending, that makes people in the community feel less safe, that makes businesses question why they're operating. Um, and uh, I'm very excited to work with the Minister for Mental Health and Addiction in addressing the core issue that some of these individuals face, not everybody, but some of these individuals that brings them into contact with the criminal justice system. We're putting forward solutions I invite the member to be a part of it. I was very grateful for the meeting with the Mayor and Council to address those issues in Terrace. Leader of the Third Party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, and I listen with great interest to this conversation and back and forth because I agree that access to mental health care is a significant issue and problem in our province right now. Healthcare workers, Honourable Speaker, are on the brink of collapse. One third of healthcare workers, maintenance, transportation, clerical, and other workers are expected to resign in the next two years, according to the Hospital Employees Union. One third of nurses are also expected to resign, according to a separate survey in late 2021 from the BC Nurses Union. 82% of them say that their mental health has worsened during the pandemic. Thousands of healthcare workers are considering leaving their profession in part because their workplaces do not provide mental health supports. Access to counseling, therapy, psychologists is not covered for many. The people who we depend on for care are being left out in the cold when it comes to their own mental health. Mental health care is treated as a nice to have, not part of the primary health care for essential workers in this province. They are burnt out, they are overwhelmed, and they're not being looked after. My question, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Health. What is his ministry doing to increase mental health supports for health care workers? Minister of Health. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, this has been, uh, I think, it's fair to say, for health care workers across the system, those who work in primary care, 
those who work as ambulance paramedics, those who work in emergency response in general, those who work in acute care, those who work in long-term care, an extraordinarily difficult period. And that's why throughout this period we've taken actions to support healthcare workers, acts, actions that are unusual in the Canadian context. For example, all of the steps taken to support long-term care workers, historic steps, including, of course, the unanimous decision by this House to get rid of Bills 29 and 94, the HCAP program, which has added thousands of healthcare workers, our training programs that have supported healthcare workers. In addition, healthcare workers have come together on issues of, of occupational health and safety with new programs, a new system that supports those workers. And we'll continue to work to support our workers across the community. There is, and I'd be happy to provide the member with a briefing on this, extensive effort being done to support our healthcare workers because the member is right. We not only need to recruit a new generation of healthcare workers, but we need to retain the ones we have. This is particularly true, as mem some members of the opposition will know, in particular communities. And that means supporting them in every circumstance. And that's what we continue to do. Leader of the Third Party, supplemental. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. It's not only healthcare workers who are, in fact, struggling with mental health and mental illness. One in five Canadians will experience a form of mental illness every year. One in two will experience a form of mental illness by the age of 40. Rates of depression and anxiety are at an all-time high. The number of people dying from a poisoned drug supply has never been higher. And when mental health and mental illness goes untreated, people end up in the healthcare system already overburdened for their unmet needs. This is adding to the burnout that we see in healthcare workers. It's costing enormous amounts of money and it's not solving the problem. In the summer of 2020, BC Green Caucus, along with the BC Psychological Association, proposed a solution to this crisis. Fund psychologists as part of primary care networks. My question, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Health. This minister boasts about opening urgent and primary care networks. When can British Columbians expect to have their minds and mental health treated as part of their health and be provided access to psychologists as a standard part of primary care networks? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, the the demand for mental health and substance use services um, already enormous um, before the pandemic hit has been exacerbated in every way, there's no question, um, and the particular burden on people working on the front line um, is evident to all of us in all of our communities. So we are, through every urgent primary care centre, there are uh, there is access to mental health counseling um, that has been a, and primary care networks also has been a great help uh, we've also built with and for healthcare workers uh, two different online platforms uh, one called care to speak another called care for caregivers both online resources that give access to free counseling and anybody working on the front line no one that this whole legislature thanks everybody for their tremendous work, but also that we have counseling uh, particularly tailored to the particular pressures of the pandemic um, available for you. More broadly, the workplace mental health hub 
developed again for people during the pandemic, businesses, small businesses, hospitality, tourism, where people have been under particular uh, pressure. Um, that is an important piece of work. The Psychologists Association has recently given us a proposal um, that that is that does fit in some ways with the mandate um, instruction that the Premier gave me to look at new ways, a low cost and no cost ways for people to access counselling. That's in addition to the 49 count, uh, community counselling uh, organisations that we are funding. They are connecting thousands of people with, with additional supports in communities and we're grateful to those groups that are, are connecting people with immediate care. And along with other proposals that we receive, uh, we're considering the proposal of BC Psychologists Association now that they have given us a specific proposal. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. In Kelowna, Dallas Zagodnik was recently attacked on the Kelowna Rail Trail in the middle of the afternoon by two men. The 17-year-old suffered a fractured skull and a collapsed lung. Dallas works full-time to support himself, and all his possessions were taken in the attack, including his bike, which was found dumped in Mission Creek, along with his shoes and cell phone that were taken. Four months later, Dallas says he's had no justice, and I quote, the last few months haven't been easy, and unfortunately, still no charges on the attackers, end quote. When will the Attorney General start protecting people like Dallas? Attorney General. Thank you uh, to the Chair. Uh, I'm not familiar with uh, the uh, horrific uh, attack the member describes, where it's at in the process, if there was a report to Crown Council, what the decision of Crown was. Um, I can advise the member in Dallas that sometimes there is a delay in laying charges as police assemble their file. Uh, we have from the Supreme Court of Canada again, in a case called Jordan, very strict timelines. I know the members opposite grappled with that as well when they were in government, all provinces in Canada very strict timelines to get people to trial. So we need to make sure that the police files are complete and the case is ready to go to trial before the charges are laid. That can result in a delay in charges being approved. I don't know if that's the case here because I don't know that file and the member hasn't brought it to me. Um, but I'm happy to speak with her and get details for her and for Dallas. And I know Crown Council, Independent Crown Council, are glad to meet with uh, victims of crime to talk them through what the process will be, and I'm glad to arrange that for Dallas if you would like that. Member for Richmond North Centre. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Chinatown used to be a place of pride for all of Vancouver, even British Columbia. But nobody, nobody comes to visit anymore because they don't feel safe. Peter Lau, has operated a business in the neighborhood for 46 years and started a petition after a mural and his business were vandalized. 80%, 80 of stores have had to add additional security measures and store owners are having to pay for their broken glass every single day 
every single day. Graffiti is up by 300%, and the Chinatown Business Improvement Association spent half of their budget on security last year. When will the NDP take the safety concerns seriously and take action to protect this historical community? Attorney General. Thank you, uh, Honorable Speaker. Uh, certainly, uh, personally well aware, I know the member from Mount Pleasant uh, and I speak regularly about, uh, and the Minister for Public Safety, about how to support uh, Chinatown. Uh, the member opposite will know the investments that our government has put into Chinatown, everything from supporting local festivals to get people back into Chinatown. We know that foot traffic, both from tourists and from people outside Chinatown coming to shop, is vitally important to reducing street-level crime, more feet on the street, more eyes. Uh, it just uh, creates a safer environment for people. Um, we're also investing uh, millions of dollars in a beautiful new Chinese-Canadian museum. We're committed to the success of Chinatown. I uh, was recently downtown with the Chinatown Foundation, uh, opening a massive new uh, housing development, uh, as well as a healthcare center for people. Um, we, our commitment to Chinatown is clear. I, uh, I recently um, uh, did an interview with Global about an increase in vandalism in Chinatown, uh, committing again uh, to partner with the Minister for Public Safety uh, to address these issues, these quality of life issues that make people feel less safe. Um, and uh, I look forward to working with the member uh, to address this. With the loss of tourists as a result of the pandemic, the loss of that street traffic, I think uh, there are a few communities more affected uh, than Chinatown. And as a community that historically has been left to the bottom of the list, uh, and ignored and discriminated against, uh, I understand why this weighs particularly on the community, that it feels particularly acute, and we want to support uh, them as much as possible in success. Success in Chinatown is the government's and the province's success. Member for Prince George Mackenzie. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. At a recent town hall on a crime wave uh, being faced by Vancouver, business owner John Claridge described it as, and I quote, the worst I have ever seen. Random assaults, window breakage, mass amounts of shoplifting, theft, human defecation, people living on the streets, end quote. Meanwhile, the provincial government is denying there's a problem at all. And the catch and release pattern with the prolific offenders that we see is bringing the administration of justice into disrepute. When will the government listen to the people of Vancouver and actually start prosecuting repeat offenders? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Again, a uh, member standing up and suggesting I'm denying an issue that didn't deny. Uh, there are issues uh, in downtown Vancouver with the reduction in uh, foot traffic downtown. Uh, we've seen an escalation in uh, quality of life, uh, minor property crimes, uh, graffiti. Um, certainly, uh, we've seen with people less able uh, to access uh, services during the pandemic an increase in men visible mental health and distress in the community. Um, it makes people wonder what's happening and feel unsafe. And so uh, we have a number of responses on different fronts. The Minister for Public Safety, uh, his staff, 
uh, addressed an issue with the Vancouver uh, police budget to make sure that resources were available. The Minister for Mental Health and Addiction opening two complex care sites in uh, Vancouver to provide additional supports to people struggling with mental health and addiction issues. Uh, as far as uh, uh, Crown Council, um, I invite the member to certainly bring forward any information that he has about uh, uh, concern related to specific cases. Um, but I have shared information about, uh, about Crown Council's approaches as well as significant changes in the federal law that Crown Council are bound to follow. Um, look forward to working with the member on, uh, on specific issues he's identified. I know he's a former police officer, maybe he has some insights uh, that would be helpful. Member for Caribou Chilcotin. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. We're seeing a surge in crime throughout all communities in Caribou Chilcotin as well. Prolific offenders with serious charges are constantly released into our community with ineffective deterrence to reoffend. Last weekend, Search and Rescue in Williams Lake was the victim of the loss of an auto extrication vehicle worth more than a quarter of a million dollars, and it was stolen from their garage right downtown Williams Lake. Our residents demand to know what the government will do to finally address these prolific offenders. Will the Attorney General today admit that there is a problem and take action? Attorney General. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, in the meeting with uh, Terrace, Mayor Cobb uh, was there from Williams Lake. Uh, he and I have had a, a number of meetings to discuss the challenges that are faced in his community. I know the Minister for Public Safety has uh, incorporated into base budget. Uh, funding that was provided to the city as a response to COVID to improve uh, community safety. I know there's more we can do. And again, to the member, uh, no one's denying that there's an issue with uh, prolific offenders, especially uh, that are grappling with mental health and addiction issues. Our government is taking a number of important steps uh, in that regard. Uh, welcome uh, feedback from the members about other ways at our provincial jurisdictional level we can address these issues. And, uh, and uh, I, I think that's really um, one of the best ways that we'll see success on this uh, incredibly challenging piece. And, and I know uh, the members in bringing these issues forward are doing exactly what they should be doing as the opposition, which is raising the profile of issues the government needs to work on. I can assure that member, uh, as well as all of the members, uh, that we are aware of this issue, that we are working with mayors on these issues, the Minister for Public Safety and I, the Minister for Mental Health and Addiction, uh, we are working on these issues, and we will see progress on them. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Opposition House Leader. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, well, after five years of, uh, of inaction, uh, businesses and communities all over BC are closing. Uh, they're closing because they can no longer uh, take the unchecked violence that's impacting their customers and their employees. Uh, random assaults and violence have gotten so bad in downtown Kamloops that recently the McDonald's uh, closed its doors permanently. The owner of the restaurant says doing business is no longer possible. And she said, and I quote, it's for the safety and the well-being of our people that we needed to make a change. And McDonald's Canada saw that too, end quote. This is but one business among many being so negatively impacted by assaults, violence, vandalism, and thefts both inside and outside their stores. So my question is this, how many businesses will close before we see action from this government to address random street violence, which is impacting these businesses and indeed British Columbians all across our province? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. 
um, whether it's fueled by uh, mental health and addiction issues, uh, whether it's uh, fueled by just a profit motive or otherwise, uh, our government has taken a number of steps and, and to address these issues. And I want to um, identify for the member that British Columbia is not the only jurisdiction grappling with an increase in crime following the pandemic. And there's a, it's a topic of study across North America, why we're seeing escalations in property crime, why we're seeing escalations uh, in random attacks in many uh, major centers across North America. Um, but what is clear to me is that we uh, need to respond to this with Made in BC solutions, which is why we're doing things like complex care, housing, putting somebody in prison for a short term and then they're released back into the community homeless uh, to, to repeat the cycle again and again uh, isn't going to work to address these issues. Criminal law and prison is part of uh, an array of responses and uh, we believe that to truly interrupt uh, this cycle for, and, and I will say that for uh, companies, restaurants like big chains like McDonald's all the way down to small mom-and-pa mom shops, grappling with people who are clearly dealing with mental health and addiction is probably one of the biggest issues I hear about and why I'm so hopeful uh, for the complex care model that we're launching to interrupt that cycle for so many people. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the Attorney General knows full well uh, of the pleas of the victims and their families, and they're wanting the province to accept the fact that they're facing a massive crime problem today. And I would suggest all 87 elected officials here get regular emails, government MLAs as well, about the issues in their communities. But the minister also seems to be ignoring the very statistics in a letter that he was provided uh, to myself that show the number of no-charge recommendations under this government's watch from 2017 to 2020 has increased by 45%. No wonder communities are feeling like this government's not trying to do anything to address the street disorder. It's increased no-charge recommendations from 8,600 in 2017 to nearly 13,000 a year under this government's watch and this minister's watch. That's 45%. With the no-charge recommendations increasing the 45% under this minister's watch and crime and disorder on a steady rise, when is this minister going to take action to help communities and neighbourhoods across BC start to feel safe once again? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. We did see an increase uh, in the number of no-charge uh, decisions. The members' uh, numbers are... Uh, uh, different from those I would present to the House. I can say that uh, in the year before the pandemic, 84% uh, of charges were uh, approved by Crown Council in 2020-21, the first year of the pandemic, uh, that went to 77%. Um, it is a, a decrease of 7% uh, in charge approvals by Crown Council in a single year. There were a number of factors during that year. Um, Bill C-75, which I advised the member about, the RV Zora decision, about administration of justice offenses, definitely factors. The pandemic and the decision by Crown or by uh, judges uh, to release people when they may not have otherwise done so because there was concern about COVID-19 outbreaks in prisons. 
uh, and essentially sentencing someone to uh, contract COVID uh, was not something that uh, the courts were willing to contemplate at that time for certain offenses, uh, especially people with compromised immune systems and so on, as you often see with people in provincial court. Um, so there were a number of factors, but I, I take the member's key point that this is an important indicator. Uh, I'll assure the member that I am tracking it, that I have asked Crown Council to provide me information about why, to the best of their knowledge, we saw that uh, departure from historic trends. And I can advise the member, to the best of my knowledge, it's not due to any policy change uh, made by the provincial government, as uh, we had a full year of experience under uh, all the policy changes that we made at the provincial level. And, uh, and this appears to be uh, pandemic related. But uh, without prejudging it, we'll wait for Crown Council to provide that information to me. The bell ends the question period.